1: You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
0: Vote now on our poll. If you stand up in your living room and swear allegiance to the king, are you A, patriotic or B, idiotic? You can vote on my Twitter, on YouTube, on my Telegram channel, t.me forward slash George Galloway or on the YouTube community poll. I want a big number. On this poll, which is my intention and why I'm mentioning it right up top in the show. Apparently, we're supposed to chant in our own homes, in an act of state worship, May the King Live Forever. Well, I will not be doing that for a number of reasons. Secondly, I will not be watching the coronation and therefore will have no idea when I would be supposed to chant it. Secondly, it is an idea absolutely unholy. May nobody live forever. Living forever is an ungodly plea, an ungodly ambition. Everyone must live and everyone must die, including Prince Charles. And thirdly, although I could go on, believe me, I have no allegiance to the man that will be crowned king, a golden hat put on his head at a cost of 250 million pounds in austerity-racked Britain, a man not fit to wear the crown. And that's a view held by many people. I shall go through them. But the main point is that even if he was a paragon of virtue even if he was an Olympian model of beauty and grace and intellect, I would still regard the idea of crowning someone king of all his subjects, because that's what we are, not citizens, on the basis, accidental basis, of birth, when in fact if Princess Anne, a much more suitable candidate for the crown if we are to have one, would not have been crowned, even if she had been born before Prince Charles, on the grounds of primogeniture, the male in the line comes first. I think the idea of monarchy is an infantilizing idea. I know that many of my viewers do not agree. Many of them look across the Atlantic at the Banana Republic, presided over by Joe Biden and say no thanks but that's a false dichotomy we have no need to reject monarchy and go for an executive presidency we have no need to go for a political presidency of any kind we can have an entirely titular representative head of state but one chosen by us not even necessarily directly chosen by the Parliament and the regional assemblies chosen by the local authorities chosen by a panel of a thousand citizens any kind of election would be fine by me but the idea that just for an accident Prince Andrew bosom buddy of Jeffrey Epstein and under some surprising bosom buddies Of Jeffrey Epstein emerging on social media at least today. Noam Chomsky, anyone? He says it's none of our business that he was a bosom buddy of Jeffrey Epstein. I think it's in the public interest that we should know this myself. But I digress. The point is, this accident of birth system could easily have given us Prince Andrew as King next Saturday. Arise King Andrew. Oops, he's already arisen, but at least he's not sweating. The whole idea is entirely ridiculous. But for overseas viewers in particular, let me summarise why it is likely that the man being crowned at the cost of £250 million next Saturday will be the last, will bring the Increasingly discredited idea of monarchy in Britain crashing to a halt. There's a critical mass of people who don't want him, who don't feel any allegiance to him, and who would regard, therefore, any such pledge as being entirely hypocritical. The smallest number would be people like me who are against monarchy in principle but add to them the new constituencies of which I speak. First of all, this man conducted a decades-long adulterous affair with an adulterous woman who's invited her husband, who was cuckolded by Charles, to the crowning of King Charles. How's that for a crowning glory? Camilla Parker Bowles, is now our queen. In defiance of assurances given repeatedly to the British Parliament, when I was sitting there watching and listening to what was being said, she'll never be the queen, they said. She'll be the queen consort. Well, she was for a few months, but now from Saturday, she's the queen. She ain't no queen, bruv. She cheated on her husband for decades. And Charles cheated on his wife for decades. But although Mr. Parker Bowles has survived, maybe even relieved to be shot of her, no such luck accompanied Princess Diana. She was driven mad, mad by this adulterous affair. She tried to commit suicide. It destroyed her. And she was killed in remarkable circumstances. I believe indirectly related to the way that Prince Charles, as he then was, treated her. So everybody in Britain that loved Diana, and believe me, that was many more millions than ever loved Charles, cannot accept Camilla Parker Bowles as their queen, and cannot accept the man whose conduct Indirectly led to the death of Diana as their king. There's another new constituency. As it's turned out, although I have always known it, Prince Charles is a globalist stooge. He is a man in thrall to the alphabet soup. W-E-F, W-H-O, U-N-O, any fad, any new thing he fastens onto it with an extraordinary gusto even when there is no basis for it and even when his now subjects are increasingly opposed to it his statement for example in the German uh, Bundestag just a couple of weeks ago made it clear he was wholly opposed to Britain leaving another of his favourite acronyms the EU but it's not his business to be for or against Britain leaving the EU that was our business and we decided it and for the man who's supposed to be our king to go abroad and disrespect the will of the British people worst of all in Berlin in the Bundestag was an affront his Kissing and cuddling, cavorting, rubbing cheeks, with Klaus Schwab, with the Greta Thunbergs, with the fadists of the climate change issue, the fadists of gender change, the fadists of LGBTQ, is anathema to millions of Charles's subjects who would once have been the loyal monarchists that they were during the reign of his mother, Queen Elizabeth. A woman just wrote on my social media, I was a royalist, and then the Queen died, and that was that. And I think that that feeling is abroad, widespread in Britain. And I'll get a better idea of that when I see what you are voting on, what is turning out to be a bumper poll on all the platforms that i have mentioned i'm dedicating this show uh, to the two great events that occurred on this day and not coincidentally the greatest and most important of them took place in berlin on this day in 1945 the banner of victory was hoisted over the rubble of the german capital of berlin which was intended to be the center of a 1,000-year Reich in which all Jews would have been annihilated, in which all Slavs would have been annihilated, all gay people, all disabled people, all people with mental illness, all Jehovah Witnesses, all adherents of any ideology or religion that challenged the idea of Hitler fascism and his allies Mussolini in Italy and tojo in Japan who brought about the deaths of a hundred million people almost in the course of their rule a rule which was intended to last as I say for a thousand years what could be more of a debt which any country any people could owe than the debt we owe to the men that raised that banner over the Reichstag and the army from which they came, which at the cost of unbelievable sacrifice, 26 million Soviet citizens died, predominantly Russians, but all the former republics of the Soviet Union made up a Red Army, made up a civilian defense force, made up a force of partisans, made up a workforce whose military industrial production made possible the victory of the Red Army on this day in 1945. How much more could you owe somebody than to have defeated the genocidal maniacs who might otherwise still be ruling your country and mine, who might otherwise have still us under their jackboot, might still be operating their gas chambers and their concentration camps. What more could any country owe than a debt of gratitude to the people that liberated us? There was an old man almost a hundred years old, in Poland last week, in front of the Polish Prime Minister and other grandees of the Polish state, listening to them talking about the victory of the Allies, the liberation of the camps, without ever mentioning the Russian army, the Red Army. So he, when the microphone was passed to him, as the last remaining survivor, of the Warsaw uprising when the Jewish ghetto rose up against the fascist beasts that massacred four million of them Jews and non-Jews in Poland four million had been massacred and he made two very important points that you will never see on any syllabus or ever hear on any so-called mainstream media. He said, we were massacred by Poles, by Ukrainians, as well as Germans. And secondly, he said, I don't know what history books you've been reading. I was liberated by the Soviet Red Army and nobody else. Can you imagine how well that went down amongst the Polish grandees who seek to rewrite history? who seek to forgive the mass murderers and give them weapons and take money from them. Weapons to the Ukrainians, money from the Germans, thank you very much, who seek to forgive the perpetrators of the Holocaust in the East and West and demonize the very people whose victory meant their liberation, whose efforts... ...liberated those camps and those remaining Jews and others who were dying, starving and at risk of annihilation within them. I could talk all night on these matters, as you know, but I will quickly move on to this. Also on this day, the Vietnamese people smashed down the gates of the American embassy in what was then called Saigon, now Ho Chi Minh City, smashed down the gates. The American diplomats, journalists, so-called, and other factotums were escaping from the roof in a helicopter, many of which fell from the sky. So many were on board, and so many of the factotums were kicked into the dust and told their services to the United States Empire were no longer required. This victory of Ho Chi Minh, General Giap, and the millions of women and men fighters in the North Vietnamese Army and in the Viet Cong in South Vietnam is one that so many of our people now know nothing about. It was my bread and butter I followed it hourly every day of my young life. This victory on this day in 1975 was the happiest day I can recall in my entire life. Yet so many have forgotten it. Not least in the United States of America, which is hardly surprising. They've forgotten the truth about the Second World War. They've forgotten what happened in the Korean War. They've forgotten what happened in the Vietnam War. My goodness, they've even forgotten what happened when the Taliban routed them just two years ago and they had to steal from the country like thieves in the night. I'm talking of thieves in the night. The Scottish police have intensified their investigation into the ruling party in my country The separatist, nationalist, so-called Scottish Nationalist Party have intensified their investigation, now widened it into something so dark that if established, if it leads to charges, if it leads to a conviction, it will be the death of that Nationalist Party and hopefully the death of their hateful, narrow-minded bigotry. It's this. The police are investigating whether or not people who left millions of pounds in their will, well-meaning people, who left money in their will to the SNP, thinking they were doing something good for the cause they believed in, separate independence for Scotland, may have had that money falsely used may have had that money criminally purloined it is leading now the Scottish national media in the newspapers not yet on the television they'll be last to report it but in the Sunday Mail daily record the Scottish edition of of the Daily Mirror Sunday mirror in Scotland they've got the receipts and my goodness How damning are they? Because if true, what this represents is grave robbing that Burke and Hare might have had the grace to be ashamed of. Fasten your seatbelts. I told you, it's going to be a bumpy night. It's the mother of all talk shows after all.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
0: According to Bloomberg, 40% of the world's economic growth this year will be produced by China. China's current growth rate for this year is almost five times, more than four times, greater than that in the United States and of course in many other countries it isn't growth at all but recession that we are looking at prices in Germany rose by 17% in the last month 17% supermarket prices and that was down from 25% the month before that wages in Germany of course are not rising Uh, either 25 or 17 or half of 17 perhaps a third of 17 who knows the standard of living of the people of the countries that are doing the sanctioning of Russia and threatening sanctions against China is plummeting unemployment rising underemployment booming wages slumping how different to the situation in China. In fact, the only thing that we are competing with China in is the number of warships that we are dispatching to the South China Sea to the Straits of Taiwan, where incidentally Taiwan has just officially gone into recession. I can safely say that the most popular of all the guests we have ever had. From China, Li Jingjing is that favorite, and I'm glad to say she joins me again now. Uh, Li Jingjing, welcome back to the mother of all talk shows. It just seems like yesterday you were showing us around these temples, and we had such a wonderful moat show uh, from uh, from Beijing. Uh, now memories that will be treasured forever, but. Uh, The stories that we talked about go on and on, particularly the Taiwan one. The issue of Taiwan has now been elevated in Western discourse, official discourse, and their uh, state-controlled media into an existential one for us. Uh, Bottle, the EU uh, foreign minister, last week demanded that European countries send their navies all the way to the straits of taiwan to patrol it because more or less he said that has become our border the european union's border has become taiwan how do chinese people see all this build up
2: Mm -hmm. hi george yes so good to be back on your show so uh, before i answer a question allow me to send a holiday greetings to you and everybody who is watching this program because uh, Beijing time is, is few hours ahead of UK time so I'm officially on May the 1st, which is International Labor's Day. So I would like to wish you and exactly. the Workers' Party of Great Britain and uh, all the working class who, who is watching uh, modes and everybody who is watching MOTS right now a very happy International Labor's Day, very important day as well. So oh, we have a holiday, yes. national holiday nowadays. Uh, everybody's traveling. So I just want to say that to everybody before I answer the questions. And about Taiwan, and you can see the Western Alliance is <laughs> is impatient. Like uh, every time you hear uh, China and the US will be at war over Taiwan, uh, at their, and they always have a specific time. Uh, they're going to be at yeah. war in 2025. They're going to be at a war in 2027. And I, I'm just curious. Where did they get the specific time? Because China never mentioned a time. Every time it's coming from the Western politicians, US politicians, European politicians, even though they are thousands of miles away from the Pacific, from, from this border. So, I mean, just a few months ago, I discussed with my friend from Taiwan and some, some friends from Chinese mainland as well. And every time they predict a war, in, either in 2025 or 2027, they are not just feeling it, they are actually planning it. So it, it's very hilarious because the Western media, through which the, some politicians twisted the facts, because if you only read Western media, you will feel it's the Chinese mainland that Taiwan. Uh, the Taiwan, hence the Europe and the United States feels the, so righteous to send warships to defend Taiwan, uh, which they call democracy, which is hilarious. Because it's the, just uh, I think a few months ago, I remember this reports on CNN. A CNN reporter sits on a U.S. fighter jet flying over South China Sea. And uh, of course, it, which South China Sea, which is 8,300 miles away from U.S. borders. And the reporter sits on the U.S. fighter jet over South China Sea and saying, see, the Chinese fighter uh, is intercepting our plane. How aggressive Chinese fighters are. They don't even realize how Hilarious that sounds. Why are you over here? And probably many people, if you don't, they don't know, they don't know the geography between Chinese mainland and Taiwan. Chinese and Taiwan, mainland and Taiwan, is so close to it, each other. The nearest, the shortest distance between the two parts is actually 133 uh, kilometers. So you are literally in our borders, in our sky. You cannot send warships over our border and not expecting some reactions from China. And uh, we also have to, don't forget, through over the past few years, uh, through western sponsored of think tanks, organizations like NED, millions of U.S. dollars dumped into uh, Taiwan and brainwashed local people trying to rewrite the history, tell... The local people, you're not Chinese, even though they're speaking Chinese language, practice all the Chinese customs. They're trying to rewrite the history. So even though sometimes the local people in Taiwan think uh, we are different from the Chinese mainland, we favor the United States. Is that really what they think? Is that they're really their own thoughts, or the millions of U.S. dollars dumped into this island and brainwash the local people what to believe?
0: Well, money is one thing, of course, but weapons and military personnel are now being dumped into what is a part of China, at least according to the British government, the US government, the all Western governments, the United Nations, etc. All of them accept that Taiwan is part of China, at least on paper. But their actions uh, speak louder than those words. And now we have mm-hmm. 200 at least 200 American military trainers. That's how it all began in Vietnam, of course, with the dispatching of American military trainers, which became an army so vast that 58,000 American servicemen were, were killed in Vietnam in the course of not 20 years. Um, so they've put these trainers now in Taiwan. They're supplying ever more Uh, sophisticated weaponry including cruise missiles they're openly calling on each other to send their warships uh, to the uh, region Uh, as you say these are not so much predictions of war in 25 or in 27 but uh, determinations that they are going to have a war with China in Does that make the Chinese people nervous? And is there a countervailing force that says, well, if they're going to make war on us in 2025, maybe we better take whatever action is necessary now in 2023?
2: Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I can assure you, Chinese people, they definitely want reunification with Taiwan peaceful reunification between Chinese mainland and Taiwan is always the ultimate solution, ultimate ultimate goal uh, for for Chinese people. And uh, it's hilarious because um, Western media, some politicians keep trying to describe Chinese government as the irrational one, as the one that forced uh, reunific- uh, unification through violence. Actually, no, the government is very... Uh, Restraint is very always, if you read the Chinese government official stance, it's always put peaceful reunification as the ultimate goal. If you ask random Chinese people on Chinese mainland, they want reunification tomorrow. It's like, why, why are the, some of them, if you go around on the street talking to local people, they're like, we cannot wait anymore. So why are you lighting these people doing this to Taiwan, which is our territory? We've been through enough the humiliation. And many people in the West probably don't realize that the island, Taiwan, is probably the last symbol of the century of humiliation for Chinese people. It was taken by the uh, Japan during the colonial times, and uh, that forced the uh, decades-long separation from the mainland. And uh, also very interesting, like some Western politicians when they try to rewrite the histories. You know, when during, during the Japanese colonial rule, when they tried to cede uh, the territory from China, in the their Japanese documents, it recognized Taiwan is part of China. So it was uh, during the Sino-Japanese War, during the 1894 to 1894, uh, because of Qing Dynasty, which was China back then, lost to Japan. So they signed this treaty, the treaty called uh, uh, Shimonoseki that uh, gave some territory of China to Japan, include some islands in Liaoning province and also the Taiwan Island. Just a little history backgrounds to those who don't know. That was the mm. first period that, that, that Taiwan was forced to separate from Chinese mainland. And of course, and then, because of the civil war between CPC and KMT, Kuomintang, uh, Chiang Kai shek, the then leader of the Republic of China, fled to Taiwan. Uh, but even when he fled to Taiwan, he never wanted independence. He was fighting with CPC, who is the rightful government, represents China at the global stage. Uh, Chiang kai Wang Taiwan, where he fled to, to represent uh, whole China at the international stage, which is ridiculous because the majority of China's population is on the mainland. But even for him, even during the civil war, he never wanted independence. And then the uh, there were some people, the opportunists in Taiwan, and uh, using the opportunities opportunities of the internal conflicts between different groups, and then the outsiders, like Western forces, try to use in, in, these internal conflicts, trying to um, sponsor them and and try to change the history. So. It is very important for China, because of this complicated history, this forced uh, separation between China's mainland and Taiwan, the reunification with uh, Taiwan is very important for Chinese people. No Chinese people will allow its territory being taken by colonial powers, by, by empires again. So this is like, we definitely will see a peaceful reunification Uh, And the aggression by United States or Europe will only make it faster.
0: Taiwan, as I said earlier, has now moved officially into recession. Whilst the Chinese economy is booming, I saw with my own eyes. As you know, it was 25 years since I had last been in Beijing. 25 years on, it was literally jaw-dropping the the pace and the scale of Chinese development Uh, that must be something that Taiwan people have in their mind that the West is able to send warships but their economy is now being damaged by anti-China policies on the chip industry for example anti-China policies are costing both south korea and taiwan opportunities for economic growth they are damaging the material interests of the people of taiwan that must be a factor in taiwan people's uh, minds i would have thought and they have an election coming up don't they
2: yeah exactly so we will see what's going to happen during that election And I think the nominees right now, uh, the DPP proposing is also a separatists. And uh, um, I think, let's see, because I think many people, because of the, as my friend who is from Taiwan, Zhong Xiang Yu mentioned, because many media in Taiwan is just kind of like Chinese translation of Western media. So they don't really portray Chinese mainland or many things on the global stage as as fair as we saw so many um who even if they didn't have the chance to grow up or study or live in the united states or in, in europe all those countries they have they still live in this uh, bubble that uh united states represents the best democracy in the world so and and also their mindset their uh Impressions about the Chinese mainland is so 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 backwards. Sometimes we laugh. We in the mainland laugh about some programs in Taiwan. It's just so ridiculous, uh, because some of the programs, some of the politicians in Taiwan, just say, uh, "You know, Chinese people in the mainland is so poor, they cannot even afford eating this boiled egg." Cha is very Chinese typical a uh, dessert. It like boiled the chicken with uh, with tea, but very tasty. But it's it's very cheap uh, snack that we eat at breakfast. So even a few years ago, they like, you know, like Chinese mainland people, they cannot eat that, they cannot eat that. And just a few weeks ago, probably two weeks ago, a program said, you know, the high rail, the train don't have a... Um, support on the, on the train. So, I mean, all these ridiculous uh, claimants, like, it's just claims, like what, what, have you tried the high-speed road in, in, in Chinese mainland? It's so fast. So, the, some of them are trapped in their bubble with their same narratives, uh, talking to themselves, echo chamber. So, they're still in the illusion that United States as the become democracy free is the world in a uh, freest country in the world and Chinese mainland is still so backward probably like 40 years ago so that uh, kind of I think that also um, make some people still have this red scare uh, towards the CPC and towards the mainland so uh, how, how to fix that I really don't know because it's a very complex issues uh, I just want to mention one thing since you mentioned, I remember you mentioned the Europe and the United States sending all the warships, all the military forces, arms sales to Taiwan. Um, in March, during a press conference with uh, our Foreign Minister, Qing Gong and he said something I think really makes sense because uh, the U.S.-led West always say, uh, you should respect the sovereignty and territory incre- integrity of Ukraine. But they constantly violate the sovereignty and territorial integrity of China, because if your country has a diplomatic relations with China, that means your government recognizes there's only one China, and Beijing represents the only China government. And they said, Taiwan is part of China, Uh, Google, go to your government's website, it says that the United Nations also recognizes that. So they violate China's sovereignty. also, United States keeps warning China to not uh, send weapons to Russia. Well, in fact, they constantly sell all kinds of arms to Taiwan, shitty arms to Taiwan. So they are so double standards, hypocritical, asking other people to do that while in reality they're doing the other. So their international rule-based order is just some rule to restrict others, and well, and they don't follow those rules You're at not- all.
0: You bet. Thank you very much, Li Jingjing, for reappearing in front of our eyes on the mother of all talk shows. Let's not make it long before you are back. Very much obliged to you.
1: You are listening to the mother of all talk shows podcast with George Galloway. Joe
0: Biden is plumbing new depths of derangement in the course of his re-election campaign. In fact, he's not quite sure whether he's fighting for the re-election of Joe Biden or the re-election of Donald Trump. You think I'm making that up? Watch this. Because we cannot get re
4: we cannot win this re-election. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump. Because we cannot get re-elected. We cannot win this re-election. Excuse me, we can only re-elect Donald Trump.
0: I mean, the audience literally laughing in his face, as were these hypocrites of the so-called press corps over the last couple of days. Joe Biden said that truth matters and that journalism is not a crime. And all of these supine slavering hacks applauded him, showered him with adulation. None of them stood up and said, you are trying to extradite the greatest journalist of them all. Mr Julian Assange is in a torture hell in London as a result of your extradition attempt. And if he does come and face a hanging judge... And a kangaroo court in Virginia, he'll go down for 175 years. What do you mean journalism is not a crime? What do you mean truth matters? Although truthfully, Joe Biden probably has no recollection of any of it and probably didn't write any of it. And when he's required to say something that somebody else wrote, you saw the result. There on the screen. Who better to give us his overview on the current state of American politics than the US based political analyst, host of The Dive, and all round all American guy, Jackson Henkel? Jackson, welcome back after some time uh, onto the mother of all talk shows. I don't know if the American people know just what a figure of fun joe biden is becoming i'm not sure if it's fun or tragedy or both do the american people know that
1: you'd hope that they do but there's a lot of americans who still claim that they would support joe biden in a 2024 candidacy which is just insane, but uh, less and less Americans support Biden as the days go on. and I don't think it has anything to do unfortunately with his uh, you know mental decline because that's been apparent for years on end. Uh, before he even entered the White House. I think it has to do with the decline of the state of our country. It has to do with the fact that he is responsible for the Nord Stream bombings. It has to do with the fact that he's taking us to war with not just Russia, but China as well. And, uh, you know, there's been a, a series of pretty damning leaks that have come out over the past several months surrounding his son, Hunter Biden, and these Twitter files, and what the Biden administration is doing to censor everyday Americans. I think that's what's turning the tide. Uh, But for me, of course, you know, the the mental decline is uh, reason enough to not give him a a first or second chance to to begin with.
0: Yeah, I I mean, before we leave that point, and I, I agree with you, it's not the only point, but before we leave that point, this man is, at least nominally, In control of thousands of thermonuclear weapons. He has the power not to declare war but to start war uh, and is the commander in chief uh, of an armed force uh, on which as much money has been spent as has been spent collectively by the next, I think it's 16 countries in the world. That makes him capable of ending the world and he's not really capable of being sent out safely uh, for a loaf or as my good friend Lionel puts it would you let Joe Biden drive you home from the airport and if the answer to that is no why are you allowing him to be in charge of the fate of the world
1: Yeah, you know, I wouldn't let him drive me home from the airport and I wouldn't let him uh, babysit my kids either. So uh, there's two things that I think are pretty stark uh, problems with the president of the United States. but. You know, and he he's at the White House press corps dinner. He's making jokes this week about how he doesn't take questions from any of them. And he, anytime he gets before the press, he just smiles and walks off before they have any time to ask him questions. So it really is insane. And I, I don't think it's going to end anytime soon. I think obviously, you know, as with age it's sad but as uh, the days go on he's going to deteriorate deteriorate more and more and more and that's why he's definitely not going to be having any debates with you know Robert F Kennedy Jr or Marion Williamson you know think what you want of these of these individuals of these candidates but they deserve a debate I think I mean we we live in a country where this sort of thing is treasured And Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is definitely bringing up some pretty good points. Uh, Unfortunately, the Biden administration is not only refusing to debate him or Marianne or any other candidate, but the Biden administration appears to be influencing not just big tech, but also now mainstream media cable companies to censor his opposing candidates like Robert F. Kennedy Jr., which is illegal and unconstitutional. Uh, and And it's just very troubling for the future of our country.
0: Yeah, uh, we'll come back to RFK if we can. But um, you mentioned, and I do see her name now, Marianne Williamson. Forgive my ignorance, I know nothing at all about her. And I'm sure that I'm not the only one that's watching that doesn't. Uh, Give us a kind of pen picture of who she is and what she stands for. Uh,
1: Personally, I'm not a big fan of Marianne Williamson. She's She's a woke warrior and she's... I would say uh, tantamount to like the equivalent of Bernie Sanders today, a uh, uh, once, um, you know, champion of all things that seemed to be good, but now has just proven to be an utter fraud and a tool of the Democratic Party in the deep state. I think the only reason why she's running is so she can sell more of her books. She has books that she's trying to sell. Not many people are buying. But, uh, you know, it, it's sad <laughs> because these are the people who a couple of years ago were saying we need to oppose war in the war state. And now they're saying, we're not sending enough money to Ukraine, and oh, I think we should be concerned about Taiwan next, you know?
0: Well, let's uh, draw a veil over Marianne quickly. Uh, I wish I hadn't asked. Uh, RFK, on the other hand, he's, uh, he's hitting some bullseyes, you know, uh, on issue after issue. Uh, he is managing to be a bridge, managing to unite. Uh, People that would have regarded themselves as being on the left, and people that would have regarded themselves as being on the right. That's quite a formidable talent, isn't it?
1: It is. Over 50% of Democratic voters say that they have a favorable view of RFK Jr. Uh, it looks like he's pulling at about eighteen percent right now. Marianne Williamson's pulling at sixteen percent. Joe Biden seems to be claiming the rest of the votes, uh, and that's much better than I think a lot of people assumed RFK Jr. was going to be doing right out of the gate. Uh, not only that, but the famed American political strategist Roger Stone uh, put forward the idea of a Trump-Kennedy ticket in twenty twenty four, which I think is very interesting. Um, you know, as with any candidate or any person, I can't say I agree with them all the time on everything. And even some of my the issues I hold most near and dear to my heart, the guy doesn't uh, perfectly align. But when you have a candidate for president polling at 18 percent in a primary who's saying that he wants to close down all of the foreign U.S. military bases. I think we have over 700 of them. And he says that he wants to take down big pharma and, you know, remove their ability to completely control the press in this country. I think that should be celebrated.
0: Now, on the subject of uh, press and uh, media, there have been, of course, quite seismic uh, events. I was ruminating on them earlier today with an important media guy. Uh, This sacking of uh, Tucker Carlson, a man who uh, was regularly turning in with every show, uh, 3 million audience, in other words, uh, a little over double our audience on the mother of all talk shows. He was getting paid $1.6 million a month for his achievement. I'm not paid that uh, for mine or anything at all. Uh, but uh, he was in the small whirlpool uh, of American uh, television audiences nowadays, a big hitter. And He was scoring these numbers because he was, on some subjects at least, not just telling the truth fearlessly and eloquently, but telling truths that would not be allowed to appear anywhere else. And lo and behold, hey presto, are now not allowed on Fox News. He's been sacked, but he took to Twitter to speak to us next and 65 million people. Not three million, 65 million people. Are we witnessing the death of, uh, of terrestrial TV, do you think, Jackson?
1: Well, if there's no one interesting on the mainstream media and the corporate press, then of course it's the death of it. After they fired Tucker Carlson, and some people are asking the question, you know, oh, was it a mutual, was it truly a mutual departure of Tucker's uh, absence from Fox News? No, he was fired. He was let know, he was let know uh, 10 minutes prior to being fired uh, that this was the decision that Fox executives had made. And um, I guess they're still negotiating his exit package, but... You know, the, he was fired. And yeah, this is the end of the end. Fox News's prime time viewership sunk below MSNBC's viewership last night for the first time. And I don't know how long, definitely before Tucker Carlson was there. Uh, so, yeah, this is clear, a clear indication that Tucker was a popular voice. It's not that anyone trusts the mainstream media. And without him, it's uh, it's Nolan void. Yeah,
0: I mean, it feels that way to me. I mean, uh, let me make the now compulsory uh, caveat that there are many, many things I entirely disagree with Tucker Carlson about, uh, but some important things on which I agree with him. But none of that is relevant. What is relevant is that we have access to lots of different voices lots of different points of view is not that what american capitalism was supposed to be about Uh, let the customer uh pick uh, in uh, from a free choice uh, the voices the programs the points of view that they like isn't that what free enterprise was supposed to be about
1: it was you know freedom in the marketplace that's why we've got to censor any dissidents and sanction any countries that we don't like right Uh, But, you know, Tucker, uh, Sergey Lavrov, the foreign minister of the Russian Federation, he spoke at the United Nations in New York City last week, and he said that uh, with Tucker Carlson gone from Fox News, it's not only very troubling, but it's clear that without him, there will be a severe uh, loss in the diversity of views held in the mainstream press corps in the United States. And that's not because uh, Tucker carried with him a lot of other co-hosts on Fox News, of course, that carried the same line or echoed the same points it's he was the only one he was the only one who spoke out about the wars in Ukraine uh or China even a little bit towards the end of his time there uh Syria Venezuela coup attempts uh stopping Trump's warmongering against Iran and Syria and Afghanistan I mean the guy challenged both party orthodoxies and yeah there's things that I disagree with him on as well uh, of course but When you talk about the issues that matter most, Julian Assange and the permanent war state and censorship in this country, I think he was right on the money.
0: Yeah, definitely. And it's not that the people who thought that are going to shrug and say, well, I'll watch some no-mark that's now in his chair because two-thirds of the audience disappeared after Mm -hmm. Carlson was uh, sacked. So uh, the people who... ...liked hearing Tucker Carlson are going to want to continue hearing him. They'll migrate to wherever else he goes. And it won't be MSNBC, I I hazard a guess. It will not be CNN. Uh, It will be presumably to what are now the outer limits... ...but which are perhaps rapidly becoming the new mainstream. I think we're living in, in quite revolutionary times in terms of uh of media
1: don't you it's all changing you know for, for for the first time uh this public square if you will is being reinvented as to where we can air it air out our opinions freely and i think uh in this coming presidential election you're going to see that more and more with the censorship of democrats like uh, bobby k jr and probably republicans like trump I think we're going to see more and more voices probably trying to get their message across on platforms like Twitter or like Rumble. Uh, But they still have their problems, and hopefully they'll be fixed. I mean, I still think that you are suppressing the algorithm. And for a while, Elon kept your uh, Russian state-affiliated media tag up, which was just insane. So they still have their problems. They're not perfect, but it's much better than uh, what we had just a few years ago where any and all major platforms were completely controlled by big tech. And there was no alternatives
0: you know i was just ruminating for a second there jackson about that uh that dream team that you uh floated in front of our eyes en passant donald trump and bobby kennedy jr in double harness would be unstoppable in the presidential election don't you think i mean i've never thought of that one before It seems so too incongruous. But actually, there are many things on which they agree. And if they could get an agreed uh, manifesto, program for government, and so on, that could be an unstoppable ticket.
1: I think it would be unstoppable. I I think Trump is already pretty unstoppable. But I think uh, adding Kennedy, a Democrat, lifelong Democrat to the mix, you know, someone who comes from a family of American royalty. Uh, yeah, I think that would be entirely unstoppable. My only question about it is, uh, you know, when you get into those very powerful families in any country, um, sometimes they have their disagreements and, you know, uh, personal spats that go back decades. And, and I don't know, I don't know. It I definitely seems like the uh, Trump family is not that close with the Kennedy family or the Cuomo family, which are connected now. Uh, but we'll see, maybe they'll put those, uh, those spats aside and choose the greater good for our country and unite. I think it would be pretty beautiful.
0: If Trump were to promise to reopen the Kennedy files, who killed Jack Kennedy, who killed Bobby Kennedy, which actually sent Trump a letter during his presidency encouraging him to do, that would... Put the cat amongst the pigeons and might even be an incentive to Bobby to hook up with him in a double harness in an election campaign. I could talk to you all night. Jackson Hinkle, thanks for joining us on the mother Thank of all talk shows. Been a pleasure. Uh, how's the poll doing? If you stand up in your living room and swear allegiance to the king, are you Patriotic or nuts? Are you patriotic or idiotic? Well, 12,571 people have voted. The polls are still open. Get your vote in now, but it's not looking great for the Patriots. I'll be right back after this quick break.
1: Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. You are listening to the Mother of All Talk Shows podcast with George Galloway.
0: A most sincere thanks to all my Patreon supporters. New legend status has been awarded to David Lane. David, I'm deeply grateful to you. Uh, And you are now officially a legend, as is Graham Briggs White, also now a moats legend. Graham says... I've taken what you said on board and upped my donation. We cannot lose you, as it is all that gives me hope, along with a handful of others. Keep it up, George. As long as God gives me breath, Graham, thank you. Uh, Andy uh, (laughs) says that, actually, this is a false dichotomy. Are you patriotic or idiotic? Can't you be a patriotic idiot? And J. Kent Cassidy says, a totally propagandized citizen of the hegemonic empire. And Martin Brooks says, I quite like the system where the head of state is chosen by accident or birth. Think of all the godforsaken people we might have had if it were left to a public vote. Well, that might or might not have been true when the late Queen Elizabeth was alive. It sure ain't true now. Let's uh, go back to the lines. Trevor in Cambridge is on the line. Let's hear from him. Go ahead, Trevor.
5: Good evening, George. A pleasure to speak to you again. Tonight, I want to speak about Sudan, because oh, yeah. um, I, I don't I don't think what people are realizing is Sudan is uh, basically going to be the, the next Ukraine. We've, we've moved on from Ukraine. Ukraine's going to lose this, um, this conflict. It's no longer a use to the Western powers. We're now moving on to Sudan. Now, the interesting part about Sudan is that, not many people know that South Sudan gained independence in 2011 with the help of the, the Americans. Now, so this, this was uh, separating, well, this is your classic um, divide-and-conquer rule. So the South has been uh, segregated and, and given its liberty, and they're basically black African uh, of Sudanese. So the, the North Territories are now controlled by the Arabians. Now, what the Americans have done they've pitted two generals the number one and number two against each other in order to, to further segregate Sudan because Sudan is has got a a, a bank a small bank on the uh, the red sea which where russia wants to uh, make a port and they they've got organization between the sudanese and the, the russians to create a port now this is on a uh, strategic uh, waterway. So what you've basically got is the chess players from around the world that are trying to position their their armies, their infrastructure, their their economies to get the best routes and, and uh, trade routes possible, and etc. What you've got at the moment in Sudan, which no, nobody's really talking about, is the fact that the Americans are causing the civil war in Sudan now between two generals that aligned each, with each other to fight in Yemen on behalf of Saudi. So this is how aligned these two generals are to the West. So what you've got is the South being segregated uh, in 2011, the North now being separated into two two separate uh, uh, fighting factions, and it's all because the West are dominating this region because the Russians want to port on um, on the Red Sea. So, uh, yeah, your, well, look, uh,
0: that's, not, uh, that's, not, yeah, that's not the only reason, Trevor, but it is an important uh, reason. I must uh, contest uh, one or two uh, false dichotomies that I think you made uh, in your otherwise excellent telephone call. Uh, first of all, uh, the vast majority of Sudanese are black Africans. Some of them have... Arab uh, blood some of them don't but all of them speak Arabic all of them are Africans Uh, it is wrong to fall into the trap uh, of saying that the north uh, of uh, of what was once a United Sudan are Arabs uh, and the South are Africans most are Arabs at least if you're an if you speak Arabic you are an Arab That is what being an Arab is. An Arab is anyone who is an Arabic speaker. It's not anything else. It's not blood or genetics. An Arab is a person whose native tongue, whose mother language is Arabic. And that is uh, all of the people in today's Sudan, some of whom uh, are blacker than others, but almost all of whom are black Africans. Uh, So we shouldn't fall into that trap because that was the trap that was sprung not just to divide Sudan north and south, but east and west. Uh, The uh, once Hollywood celebrity, uh, cause celebras of Darfur and other conflicts in the west of Sudan were equally falsely posed as conflicts between Africans and Arabs Israel is busy in Sudan the United States as you quite correctly described is extremely busy Uh, they are uh, extremely opposed to Russia having any kind of military presence uh, on the territory of Sudan but very much in favor of themselves uh, having as much a presence as possible Uh, the hypocrisy knows no bounds Uh, the two generals uh, that are fighting you're right neither of them is my cup of tea I have no dog in that fight between these two generals but the uh, reality is that the United States fomented this civil conflict Victoria Newland visited if Victoria Newland comes to your country be ready for civil war and she did visit and lo and behold civil war was the result i'd only add one point that you did not make where's all the sudan flags on social media where are all the special channels at the airports and ports for sudanese refugees are we going to open our hearts and our treasuries to the poor people of sudan now, spilling out of the country in their hundreds of thousands, soon to be millions, fleeing uh, a civil war? Are they? Are we? You bet we are not. Simon is on the line from Ferum and wants to talk about the coronation. Go ahead, Simon.
4: Oh, hi, George. Uh, nice to talk to you. I have the greatest respect for you and your show. Um, listening you, to sir. it uh, every you, time, religiously. Brilliant. Um, just one thing I wanted nice. to say, and, and it was basically, you have to cast your mind back a little bit, um, to when uh, Prince Charles invited President Zelensky into his home. I don't know if you remember it, uh-huh. but
0: it uh, wasn't, wasn't so I don't ago. know. I, I, I've, I've obliterated that from my mind. I, I have so many things I'm against Prince Charles for. Uh, I probably blotted that out inadvertently. Go on.
4: Yeah, well, basically, he came to the country, he shook their hands with... Uh, which is Sunak and then he then went to uh, to do the same with um, Prince Charles. And it was at that moment it dawned on me, and I thought, um, how can I how can I have respect for my king when I know that he is shaking the hands of a man that has um, n a z eyes, should I say?
0: Yeah,
4: Benjamin. Well, this uh, is a guy that.
0: He's, yeah, I mean Simon, he, he has accompanied and befriended some of the worst scoundrels on the earth Uh, i I mean i don't want to go through all of them but i mean this is a man who spent christmas who spent holidays with uh with jimmy savile a man guilty of the most heinous crimes and he did so of his own volition at his own invitation so never mind Zelensky, savile and many, many others are the rum crew uh, with which uh, uh, King Charles, as we must now apparently call him, has run. Last word to you, Simon.
4: Well, yeah, I didn't realise all of those things, but as uh, I said, uh, from Zelensky, who um, I'd watched videos of him playing the piano with uh, you-know-what, um, I yeah. think you know maybe he might have washed his hands after he... Uh, Shook hands with (laughs) President Zelensky.
0: (laughs) Well, I don't know. Uh, Charles's hands have been in some rum places, uh, I must tell you. Simon, thank you very much indeed. Terry is in Rainford in Essex. Go ahead, tell. Hi, George. It's Rainford uh,
3: near Liverpool, actually, Merseyside.
0: I beg your pardon. Go ahead. Sorry. No,
3: it's okay. Uh, a couple of quick things about um, about King Charles. I won't be standing up saying anything. I won't even be watching it. Uh, but with your <laughs> regards to Camilla, I agree with what you were saying in your monologue. You gradually mm. sort of uh, uh, sort of did, did done the narrative that you know she, she was Queen Consort and then so on and so on. And, and what a lot of people don't realise, she's going to be crowned Queen. At the same time, Charles is is going to be crowned. And another thing that you may may know is that they've changed the crown uh, for the Queen uh, because they don't want the Kohino diamond to be in it, which is disputed by India as being stolen, and and they want it back. So, Although India stole it from Iran.
0: Yes. India stole it from Iran in the first place. (laughs) And presumably it was <laughs> yeah, all stolen from okay, Africa.
3: I didn't, know that. I didn't know that bit, but uh, yeah. yeah. It's stolen property,
0: I mean. that's for sure. No, you're what, what, you're right. And by the way, Terry, I was yeah. sitting in Parliament when uh, assurances were given, were required. I, I remember a, a fellow, a Labour MP uh, then, now a Liberal Democrat councillor, uh, Andrew McKinley, who for some reason was a fanatic about this subject, uh, relentlessly questioned government ministers on how we could possibly have, as queen, somebody uh, who had conducted an adulterous relationship with the next king, uh, whilst whilst both of them were still married, uh, and, uh, and she could become the queen. And we were repeatedly assured she will not be the queen. She will only be the queen consort Bad enough, you might think, but now, with the wave of a magic wand, we're supposed to call her the Queen. Well, I'll I'll never call her the Queen. I had too much respect for the actual Queen uh, to call Camilla the Queen. Over to you, Terry.
3: Yeah, I agree
0: with that, George. Uh, And what I was going to
3: say as well about your monologue, wasn't, uh, wasn't Diana's accident very convenient for Charles?
0: Well, I wouldn't be one of those uh, suggesting that it wasn't an accident, but it definitely was. It cleared the uh, path uh, for what, we, what we're what we seeing now. Uh, I, as, as I said at the beginning, Terry, I'm against all of them, all royalty. Uh, and even if they were wonderful people, blameless and brilliant, I'd still be against this system. But when you've got a guy conducting himself in the sordid way uh, that Charles did, driving his wife mad uh, to the point of total distraction, attempted suicides and the rest, by openly cheating on her from more or less day one of the marriage. What kind of dishonesty is involved in that? And if he's that dishonest, how can he be our head of state or is that a requirement to be our head of state that you be a liar and a cheat what do you think
3: yeah yeah well it, it goes back to um, to edward VIII uh, and mrs simpson uh, they sort of did exactly the same thing and then they calls it up to the nazis for for uh, indeed. <laughs> and they wanted indeed they wanted to but at least it, they aren't. got
0: drummed out at least they got drummed out mrs simpson was never called queen simpson Uh, But we're being asked to call Camilla Parker Bowles, as she'll always be to me, the Queen. I won't do it. Terry, thanks for that excellent call. Uh, A couple of YouTube comments. Uh, Martin Malaga says, as a staunch Iron Lady supporter, that's Mrs Thatcher for you, I never thought I'd see the day I would be subscribed to the channel and thoroughly entertained by George Galloway. Strange times we live in. Well, my dear friend, as Mrs Thatcher herself said, it's a funny old world. Last call is Fadiq in Nigeria on China. Don't say we're not a global university of the airways. Fadiq, go ahead, sir. Yeah, I I really can't explain how I feel talking to you now. I've been a long
6: time listener, but the first time caller, you've been a really, really, really big part of my education and i just want to thank you very very much to what you do to people around the world showing them the true nature of things things that we care we don't see in the mainstream media you're just a blessing to the world mr Gallery. thank you very much
0: god bless you thank and you for your extraordinary about, remarks thank you go ahead
6: yeah I, I want to talk about china and and, uh, and the united states I've noticed that there are there are there are not there are not much callers from 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 Africa. Yeah, so there's this kind of perception that maybe Africans are ignorant to what's going on in the geopolitical arena in the world. But I want to assure listeners around the globe that that's not entirely true. You know, we are very much conscious of what's going on in the world. We know who the good and who the bad guys are. So. Uh, don't get fooled by our leaders, no, you don't get fooled by our leaders because they are looking out for their pocket, they are looking out for their power, they, 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 they go with the United States, you know, in terms of uh, UN resolutions and all that, it's because they are afraid of uni- unilateral sanctions, which I think are, uh, uh, are illegal, by the way, because I don't think there's any, any legal basis. The, the say one one nation can just decide who you cannot trade with this, no you, you cannot trade with this. We don't agree with that at all, so don't be fooled by our leaders. They are just scared of sanctions, they want their power, they know that the United States can make their uh, their regime hell for them, and as you regularly say, we cannot do anything about the United States, but we can do something about them. You know we can vote them out, we can go to the street and vote them uh, and force them out so that's why they go there with, with the united states but that's not the general perception of the african of the african people it's just their are lost for power and and they uh, are lost for fortune it's just corruption basically so but majority of well, africans are uh, done with the
0: yeah Fadik, I, I couldn't have asked for a better final call than that uh It was extraordinarily powerful, entirely unexpected, uh, extremely moving for me personally, your earlier remarks, and I I thank you very sincerely for them. It's uh, true that we have uh, to grow further in Africa. There are a lot of English speaking people in Africa, uh, either through because of uh, the colonial. A relationship or through education uh, in English and so on. And it's one of my ambitions uh, to, as we are going to have a Moz German, as we are going to have a Moz American, that one day we have Moz Africa. It's one of my ambitions. If I don't realize it myself, I pray to God that my uh, children uh, realize it in time. Um, But it is absolutely the case that the peoples of Africa are not only globally conscious, but they have had to be from a history of enslavement, division, colonization, ruthless exploitation, armed struggle for the expulsion of the colonizer, suffering decades of dictatorship whose purpose was to continue colonization by another name in return for being allowed to be the dictator the interests of the former colonial powers would not be interfered with fundamentally uh, as I think you've heard me say before uh, the par example of that is the murder by Britain Belgium and the United States of the greatest of all African leaders, Patrice Lumumba. If Lumumba, a young man, the first prime minister of Congo, had been allowed to live instead of being murdered, dismembered and dissolved in acid, his body parts sent to the colonial power, Belgium and returned, the final part of them returned only last year, then Lumumba could have been a beacon of hope in Africa, as so many others uh, could have been. The overthrow of Kwame Nkrumah, the uh, tremendous social and political forces that the uh, liberation leaders did and could have gone on to continue to mobilise To truly free the continent of Africa was all stopped dead in its tracks by imperialism and dictatorship. But that is changing now. The African people, conscious of all of that that I have just described, know the good guys, as you put it, and know the bad guys. The people of Sudan know the good guys and they know the bad guys. They know. Who is doing what to whom, for whom? And Africa, like the rest of the world in which so many changes are now underway, will be free one day, will be united one day, will be prosperous one day. On that, I'm certain. Thank you very much for watching. I apologise for overshooting my time by all of three minutes. But that last caller reached me and made me say what I had to uh, say. But I'll be back on Wednesday at the slightly later time of 9pm UK time. Please note the time difference. 9pm on Wednesday for the midweek mother of all talk shows. I hope you'll be there. And I hope you'll bring another viewer with you. Until then, good night and good luck.